righty. So we're going to quickly review what we talked about last week. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. just want to go back through. And if you weren't here last week, the front page, you can fill in some of these. You have to fill them in pretty quickly because we're going to fly through them. But we talked about a step-by-step approach and how um, hermeneutics, we talked about the science and art of Bible interpretation. So this book is intended to help us understand uh, hermeneutics, how to interpret Scripture, but it's also meant to help us observe and apply Scripture as well. So we talked a little bit about hermeneutics and seven principles as we seek to interpret Scripture, the literal principle. We're going to take the words at at, uh, face value. We're not going to read into the text what's not there. Um, We talked about how this isn't strictly literal so that when we go to a passage where it's clearly using a figure of speech, we're not just going to say, well, no, it has to be taken uh, literally. You know, we're looking at the literature. We're understanding how we're to take that, but we're seeking to take the words at face value and how the author intended them. We talked about the contextual principle. We're going to try to understand the text within the confines of its historical literary and theological context so there were aspects of that the historical cultural context we want to understand the history of when that uh, passage was written understand the cultures involved that are being addressed we talked about the literary context this is one of the easiest ones and most neglected simply as we're studying scripture we're looking at where that verse stands in light of the the passage and the paragraph and the sentence whatever not just pulling verses out of context and making them mean whatever we want them to mean. We used a bunch of examples of that, of where people take verses of Scripture and twist them. The theological canonical uh, context, as you see there, it's emphasizing we got to understand where does this passage fit in the context of God's plan of redemption and and how he's working with his people throughout history, okay? We talked about the one-meaning principle that was we come to a passage, there's one interpretation, There may be many applications, but there's one interpretation which is based on what the author intended to communicate, okay? Exegetical principle was a big one. Um, We're seeking to draw from Scripture. It's meaning not take what we think and then find a bunch of verses that back it up, right? We're not looking to proof text what we think. We're letting Scripture speak for itself, exegesis rather than eisegesis. I'm going to put my thoughts into Scripture, make it say what I want it to say. We talked about the linguistic principle. Uh, The Bible wasn't written in English, right? It was written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. So always the original languages and the meaning there are what take uh, precedent. The progressive principle, we talked about, as we look at Old Testament passages, there's times in the New Testament where God is, is using those Old Testament things, may have been a shadow, and he's revealing the substance. And we talked about For instance, the dietary laws of the Old Testament, how things change over history as God reveals more revelation, okay? And then the harmony principle. As we look at Scripture, it's got to fit within the context of all of Scripture. And uh, really, the best commentary for the Bible is the Bible itself. So as we come to a passage that may be hard to understand, we're going to interpret it in light of the whole, interpret it in light of what God's revealed. So we're harmonizing it with the rest of Scripture, okay? So that brings us to where we left off with, uh, on the back page, induction versus deduction, okay? So uh, this book is entitled Inductive Bible Study. So you may be wondering, what is inductive? Well, it's different from deductive, right? So induction versus deduction, as you see there, inductive Bible study, with an inductive approach to Bible study, you explore the Bible, 
and arrive at conclusions only once you've compiled all the evidence. Okay? So you're coming to Scripture, you're seeking to, let, to lay out all the information, lay out all the pieces of the puzzle, and then you start making uh, interpretive uh, calls and application, that kind of thing. So you're starting with Scripture, and then you're arriving at the conclusions after you've compiled all the evidence. Okay? This is contrasted with deductive Bible study. Okay? Deductive Bible study is, as you see there, uh, with this deductive approach, you begin with certain assumptions or beliefs and then allow the Bible only room to support those assumptions or beliefs. Okay? So you're starting with your preconceived notions, and then as you're coming to Scripture, you're going to seek to proof text and seek to back up your theory or what you believe. Okay? So let me ask this question. What is the or what problems might someone studying the Bible run into if they only take a deductive approach? What problems might someone run into if they only take this approach? Yep. Yeah, you're going to you're going to just find verses that seem to back it up, right? Mhm. Yep. What else might happen? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so if we have, we start with our assumptions, if we start with our uh, preconceived notions, and then seek to, okay, now I'm going to read the Bible in light of my assumption, then you're going to find certain verses that you think are going to be proof texts, but what happens when you come across verses that seem to maybe push back against that assumption? What might you do in that case? You either dismiss it or you try to twist the interpretation of it to say, well, it's not really saying this, it's because I have this assumption, right? So instead of going about it from a deductive means, we're going to seek to let Scripture speak. We're going to uh, follow these steps we're going to look at so that we can let Scripture speak uh, that exegetical principle instead of putting our assumptions in proof texting, okay? So I put up here just a uh, illustration that I found online of deduction versus induction, and they compare it to the way Aristotle went about things and then Sherlock Holmes, uh, in a sense. So deduction starts with a theory, so I've got this theory in mind, so you're going to develop a hypothesis, okay? If this is true, then this is what I'm going to probably see, and then you're going to observe, and then you're going to hopefully confirm what you said is, is sort of how deduction works. Whereas with induction, it's the opposite. Uh, you're going to start by observing the facts. You're going to look for patterns. You're going to look for putting all the evidence, putting all the puzzle pieces together. Then you're going to develop your hypothesis and your theory. Okay? So it's, it's letting, laying out the facts first before we make any assumptions or develop any, any theories. Okay? So there's a few steps uh, that we're going to, and this actually takes up most of the rest of the book. So we're going to take these step by step in each of these chapters. So, um, and, and actually there's several chapters on each of these. So the first step is observation, okay? We're going to start with observation in this inductive method. So we're going to establish a basic knowledge of what the text is saying, okay? Establish a basic knowledge for what the text is saying. W- what are some things we might do as we're seeking to just observe Scripture. We're not getting to the next steps of interpretation and application yet. 
what are some things we do as we seek to just observe Scripture? Joseph. Okay. Yeah, and, and of course, over time, as you read the whole of Scripture, you're going to lay out everything. You know, if you're just reading a, a passage or, or things, you don't know it in light of the whole, it's hard to do. So, yeah, absolutely, reading all of it, yeah. Okay, understand, are there figures of speech maybe being used here? You know, we talked about a lot of these principles. We're going to take those principles as we read and seek to understand what kind of genre is this a poetic book so that there's going to be a lot of uses of figures of speech? Yeah, seek to understand is this to be taken exactly literally or in a literal take is it using figures of speech that we're not going to take straight, straightforwardly, okay? What else are some steps or some things that might be helpful as you seek to observe Scripture? Got another one? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you apply those principles for sure and seek to understand what, is, what does the author mean in this text. So you understand a lot of those historical things. You're trying to put those into practice. Uh, he mentions a few other things as well. Comparing translations is a really helpful thing, very basic thing. As you're studying Scripture, look at different translations and see how are, are there, is there a lot of variation. Are they very similar? Um, distinguishing significant or non-routine terms from self-evident or routine ones. So as you're looking at certain words, of course there are certain words in Scripture that we know what they mean pretty well, but there's others that might be a little more uh, hard to understand. And so there might be word studies that you're doing to seek to understand what does that word mean. Um, And, of course, looking at the original language to do that. Observing miscellaneous features in prose and poetic literature. So I think this is what you said, Kylie, is seeking to understand you know, is this poetic? Is this figurative? Understanding is it how, how we're to take it? And discerning special, special structural and literary relationships to the text, okay? So we're seeking to just observe, just let Scripture speak for itself in this first step, okay? The second step, as I mentioned, is interpretation. So once you've sought to just understand what is being communicated, collecting all the evidence, as it were, then you start to interpret scripture understand the meaning of the text at its exegetical level okay so pulling from the text what it's seeking to communicate okay and there's three c's to this three c's of interpretation context okay is the first one we've talked about this with that uh uh, literary um principle and so context uh focuses on so one of the authors of this book actually wrote another book that was just about interpretation, just about hermeneutics, and, and it would have been a very good book to go through, but I liked picking this one because it, it isn't just about interpretations. It's about that observation. It's about interpretation. It's about application. So it's a little more um, practical in, a, in taking the interpretation and making it a little more practical to us. So in that book, though, he talks about the, his, the hermeneutical triad and I don't know if I put this in the notes I think I might have just put the three C's but the hermeneutical triad and that is understanding the history literature and theology and we touched on this I think in chapter one so as we seek to understand the context we're under trying to understand what was the history of that time what kind of literature is it and what is being revealed about God uh, through this so that's the first one is the context so as we seek to interpret scripture 
context, history, literature, theology. The next one is, next principle, or next uh, C of interpretation is correlation, okay? Um, Linguistic, grammatical, literary, and topical parallels. So we're going to seek to compare Scripture with other Scripture. um, And there's times even where you seek to compare, as you're looking at Greek, maybe there's a word that's not used very often in Greek. You might look at how was that word used uh, in other Greek literature of that day and age. So uh, we're correlating, we're seeking to understand you know, he mentions topical parallels. There may be certain topics in Scripture you're going to do a study and seek to understand uh, that topic. So correlation is the second one. And the third one is consultation. So this would be where you start to use Bible study tools uh, and resources like commentaries, other things like that. But I love how um, really prior to even get to commentaries and things like that, we're seeking to observe the text ourselves, right? It's, a, it's very important we don't just run to a commentary, okay, what does this person say this passage means? We're going to take the steps ourselves first to read the passage, understand its context, we're going to correlate, we're going to do a lot of these steps, and then we're going to look at commentaries and see, you know, am I way off base? Have I misunderstood something? You know, if I'm reading all these commentaries from solid people and they're not seeing the same thing I am, maybe I'm off base, right? Or it can confirm, yeah, they're seeing the exact same things that I've seen, seen in the text, uh, or they add a little bit of depth to what, you, what you've maybe not seen, what you've overlooked. So those are three important C's to interpretation, context, correlation, and consultation. Okay? The last one is application. Okay? So after we've observed the text and we've sought to understand what it's saying, uh, God's word's meant to be applied to us, right? So we evaluate how an interpreted text is best appropriate. So how do we appropriate that scripture to ourselves. Again, there's one meaning, but there may be very many applications uh, as we seek to understand how that applies to us today and how the Holy Spirit would apply it to us. Okay? So we're evaluating how an interpreted text is best appropriate, uh, what the text might mean to us today as the people of God, uh, what the text means for me today. So not just us. Sometimes we can make the application about a broad context, general context, or we have to be careful. Sometimes as we're reading scripture, we, someone pops in our mind and we think, man, they really should read this verse and understand it, right? But we've got to take it to the next step. What does the text mean for me? Um, applying scripture in an introspective, devotional way, right? Let's take scripture and, and, you know, in James it's used, the picture of a mirror is used where we're looking at a mirror and we're looking at ourselves. And I've, I think I've used this illustration before in preaching. I don't know if I've done it here, but Many times we take that mirror, instead of looking at ourselves, we look at someone else through the mirror, like, oh yeah, such and such needs this first. But we need to look at the mirror of God's word and see ourselves. So we've got to ask, what does that mean for me today? And then finally, correlation seeks to systematize the teachings of the Bible based on an accurate interpretation of the parts. So we're going to try to apply it in context of the whole, okay? So any questions on any of this before we move on? We only have one little short thing um, to finish. So we're going to finish pretty early today as we wrap this up. But any questions about what we've talked about, induction versus deduction, and these principles? Like I said, we're going to get more in depth. So next, well, actually next week, Pink Davis, one of our missionaries, is going to be using this discipleship time to share his ministry So we'll pick back up on May 1st 
and we're going to start, okay, observation, and there's going to be several chapters where we talk about how do we go about this step of observation. So we're going to get more in depth as to how to take these principles. So we're looking at big picture right now. We're going to get more in depth as to, okay, observation, here's a good step. And so I encourage you as we go through this, take these principles and put them into practice as you study a passage of Scripture. And um, these are tools that we can use as we seek to understand Scripture and, and interpret it and apply it, okay? All right, so five reasons for inductive Bible study, okay? Um, and he does say, he is careful to say, you know, while they use this inductive method, there are times where you have to use uh, more of a deductive uh, perspective, okay? So it's not to say it's exclusively inductive, but that's typically the approach you want to take primarily. Um, and, and, of course, he says it's only uh, really in the study of Scripture that we're going to use that principle. There's other areas of study that you might use deductive reasoning and that sort of thing. But five reasons for inductive Bible study. First, he says the inductive method is a process for Bible study. And I think I've written these down. I've just put some bullet point there, bullet points there on the screen. But first, the inductive method is a process for Bible study that finds its basis in principle, namely the exegetical principle. So again, the whole reason we're going about Scripture from an inductive perspective rather than deductive, is because of the exegetical principle. We're going to pull out of Scripture what it's seeking to say, not read into Scripture what we want it to say, okay? So we're going to let that principle guide our study, and that's why we seek to go about it from an inductive perspective. Secondly, the inductive method is a process that benefits from order, yet also encourages flexibility and recognizes the dynamic integration between steps. So there is an, an order, observation, interpretation, application. There's steps that we can follow, but there's flexibility within that too, right? There's, there's times where we might not have as much time to do maybe the individual steps of observation, and so we can kind of have some flexibility built in as well. Third, the inductive method is a personal approach that can be adapted to fit the student of Scripture wherever she is or or and they just use that pronoun, she is in her pursuit of biblical liter literacy. So no matter where you are, whether you're a brand new believer or whether you have a doctorate in theology, these principles can, can challenge us all in a personal way. So that's what's great is these principles fit. And, of course, someone that may have a doctorate might be able to go a little more in-depth to observation and interpretation and application, some of those stages as they use different study tools. But even the most, uh, the newest believer, the one that hasn't really studied Scripture, can benefit from taking these principles and applying them. So there's that personal touch. Uh, fourth, such an approach is practical, allowing shortcuts as time constraints may demand. So, again, like I said, with observation, we may not be able to follow every single piece of observation, uh, all the tools that they give us in the book but we can seek to observe, seek to read, seek to have some of these principles in mind as we're observing the text and then move to interpretation and application. So we can take some, some shortcuts as time constraints may demand. And then fifth and lastly, the inductive method is beneficial in that it encourages the development of your, Bible, your own Bible study skills. So this kind of ties into number three, where it's very personal. It meets you where you are, but that doesn't mean... There's not growth even in the steps. So, like I said, if you're a brand-new believer, 
Okay, start with observation. As you progress in your understanding and using different tools, then you can actually develop, you can grow in your Bible study skills. So as you begin this process, you may not be looking at all to the original languages, but then over time as you're studying, you might start to get your feet wet with, okay, let me try to understand what does that original Greek word mean and what is the tense of it. And so there's, there's room within this for a basic, uh, someone on a basic level, but there's, there's room for growth in that as well. Um, so, so these are the five reasons for inductive Bible study uh, that they give. And he goes a little more in depth in the book uh, explaining these. But any thoughts or any questions? I know we're done pretty early, but I didn't want to jump into that observation chapter because it will be uh, some good material. But any questions, any thoughts, even on what we looked at last week with some of those principles? Before we wrap up, Joseph. Yep. Well, I think what he's saying more is that um, you've got the order of those steps of observation, interpretation, application. So you've got that basic order, but sometimes you may not be able to take as much time. uh, And of course, you want to apply scripture. So you might have to be a little more flexible in how you go about it, if that makes sense. So you do want to start with observation and interpretation, but you may not be able to go as far in depth in some of those stages. So I think there's flexibility because, like I said, with observation, with interpretation, we're going to look at more specific things we can do in those steps. Like with observation, there's, there's specific things we can do, but we may not be able to do all those before we move to the next step. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Any other questions? All righty. Well, why don't we pray, and then we will uh, be dismissed early. If you want to hang out, uh, I think the kids are getting dismissed a little earlier downstairs, too. So I think there's some coffee down there. If you want to get some coffee before, um, yeah, just hang out as people make their way in. Save your seat, because it's going to be pretty crowded, I'm guessing, this morning. So, all right, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word, and uh, we just pray as we continue to go through this study, you would give us wisdom and insight into how to um, let your word speak to us, uh, where we know so many uh, look to your word and and seek to just make it a means to their own end, seek to twist scripture, seek to uh, proof text what they already believe and dismiss things they don't believe. Um, Lord, help us to have an approach of, of letting your word speak to us. Uh, We all have preconceived notions and things, but I pray that we could, to a degree, set those aside as we come to your word and seek to just hear uh, what your word says, what you intend, and that your spirit would apply uh, the truth of your word to each of our hearts individually. 
And uh, Lord, just help us through this to grow in our abilities and our skills uh, to do so to, for our personal benefit, but even for others as we seek to communicate your word to others and, and uh, help them even in their personal uh, development in, in studying your word. So God, we just thank you for this study. We lift up our service uh, here in just a few moments and uh, pray that, again, you would just help us to rejoice, uh, to proclaim the victory in Christ, and uh, just to, to give you the honor and glory that you deserve. So God, we just thank you for today. We pray this in Jesus' name.